Thank you, Tyler, and uh, good to see all of you once again this last uh, Sunday before Thanksgiving. And we're going to pause our study in the book of Acts this morning for probably the next couple of Sundays as we're in the week of Thanksgiving. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Thanksgiving, about praise, about worship. I was struck last uh, Sunday during our SWAT uh, service. I remember one of the people spoke about and several of the young people spoke about how uh, during their, their SWAT time and during their SWAT training that uh, they ask them to go off by themselves and just focus on worship, maybe doing some things. And I thought that was a wonderful exercise in worship. Because I tell you, if you are truly born again, if you know Jesus as your Savior and God as your Father, not just your Creator, but as your Father, you are going to have a desire to worship God. And if you are not worshiping God, you are the one who are missing out. If you, if you are not having that time with God where you worship Him and you give Him praise and you interact, you fellowship with Him, you're the one, you, you know, we don't want to have time to go into all this this morning, but when we praise God, we can't make God any greater than He already is. God is God. He is complete. It doesn't help Him in any way. It doesn't... It doesn't do anything to make Him more than He already is. Really what praise and what worship does, it opens up a channel between us and our Father, our Creator, and it really helps us. We're the one who is blessed and who is encouraged. So I want to do two things this morning. We're going to start in John chapter 4. You may remember I preached on this some, it's been probably several years ago, about the woman at the well and, and how Jesus taught her about true worship. And we're going to start there and we're, then we're going to end up in the book of Psalms and we're going to talk about worship and then we're going to talk specifically about praise, worship and praise. I think sometimes we get a little confused about worship and praise I think a lot of times we get real concerned about the pattern and the manner or the environment in which we have praise. Listen, we had Pastor's Appreciation Day, and I thank you, by the way, for that. That was a great thing. And now, I, you know, we had the bluegrass group here, and everybody's not into bluegrass. I understand. I know somebody that's not into bluegrass. I'm going to go ahead and embarrass them and call their name today. It's my wife. Lloyd's not in the bluegrass. You know, we'll be going somewhere and I'll... She said, please don't put that on. Well, I can't say that. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Yeah, Ann's... Not, well, I didn't want to embarrass you, but I didn't think Ann was in, in the bluegrass. But listen, we all have individual likes and dislikes, but that has nothing to do with praise or worship. You know, I, I was listening to the Georgia Baptist Convention. One of the preachers, what, Mike Stone from over in Blackshear, he was our president this past uh, year, and uh, he was giving his, one of his sermons. I didn't hear the whole thing, but I heard a little bit. And, and I really thought it was great. He was talking about how we get distracted in our service of the Lord. And instead of actually going after lost people and trying to minister to people, he was giving an example. He said, you know, you're on your way. And all of a sudden you realize somebody's put Chris Tomlin on the radio. And you say, who put Chris Tomlin on the radio? I've got to get my Gaither CD going again. You know, I, I don't like Chris Tomlin, or I don't, I don't like that. We get all mixed up, and the point he was making so many times, we as people of God, we get so mixed up in our likes and our dislikes, we forget the core issue. 
And the core issue is not what kind of music do you like or, or, or not. Are you an outgoing person? Do you like to make a lot of noise? Or are you kind of quiet and, and, and you'd like to get along by yourself? But the question is, are you worshiping God? Are you fellowshipping with God? That is the key issue. And so I want us to look today from God's Word and, and really examine as we get close to Thanksgiving and, and we come up on this week, we're supposed to be thinking about offering up our praise and offering up our thanks to God. How exactly do we do that? And I want us to first of all understand about worship. Jesus in John chapter 4, you're all familiar with the story. I'm sure there's the woman at the well and she was a Samaritan. And just to remind you, there were, there was, the Samaritans were basically... Uh, what the Jews regarded as half-breeds. They were people, the descendants of people during the Babylonian captivity who had been left in the land of Israel and they had intermarried with the non-Jewish people there. And so when the Jews came back from the Babylonian captivity, there were the Samaritans and not only had they intermarried with those who were left there, the non-Jews, but there was a difference in belief. They didn't accept all of the Old Testament. They only, they only accepted part of the Old Testament, that is the Samaritans, where the Jews accepted all of it. So they had developed this idea the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem and the Samaritans had decided that there was a different mount, Mount Gerizim, that they believed that's where you should worship. So that's the background and Jesus meets this woman at the well and of course he's already told her about the fact that she has no husband and he's basically given her a prophetic word about her life and she realizes that he is someone special. And in verse number 19, she said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She thinks, here's my chance. Here's a man who obviously has, he is gifted by God. He's told me things about my life that no one could know. So I'm going to ask him a question. She said, our fathers, speaking about the Samaritans, our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, speaking of the Samaritans, what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So just a couple of points I want to make, and if you got notes from a couple of years ago, you might remember these, but this is a wonderful passage about true worship. The first thing is we must worship the right person. Who did Jesus say we were to worship? The Father. We worship the Father. God must be the object and the focus of our worship. I, I go back to what the SWAT kids did and the SWAT team did la last week. If I remember right, and, and you may remind me if I get this wrong, but I think they asked the students to go by themselves. See, that's a problem often with worship. You're so worried about what somebody else is thinking, what somebody else is doing, you know, what, what other people are doing. Let me just give you a little test. If you can't worship God by yourself, you're not worshiping God. You get with other people and you're just doing what they're doing. You're not really worshiping God. If you can't worship God alone, then you, yet, you have yet to find out what true worship is. 
Because worship is focused not on other people, but it's focused on God. And when we, when we worship, we're, we're not all involved in the music or in the preaching. All that's fine. But the object of worship is not the music or someone's sermon. The object of worship is the Father. It is God Himself. And so we must make God the object of our worship. Now, the second thing he, he mentions, you see there was a big idea about where they were supposed to worship. I mentioned that before to you before, there in the Mount Gerizim where the Samaritans worshipped, or in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, listen, the time is coming when it's not going to be about Jerusalem or about this mountain, but you're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, the place is not important. And the place is not about Jerusalem or this mountain or in church or here or there. The, the right place to worship God, remember what I said before, you don't know worship if you can't worship by yourself. The Bible says that if you're a Christian, you're the temple of the Lord. Remember when Paul went to Athens and he was preaching in Athens and they had all these beautiful temples in Athens and you can imagine 2,000 years ago, people still visit Athens to look at those ruins but you go 2,000 years ago, you can imagine how beautiful it was. And so there were all these temples. You think about the temple in Jerusalem, which, which was standing, you know, in the time of Jesus. And Jesus preached and He taught around that temple. And He told them that it wasn't going to be long before there wouldn't be one stone left upon another. What if you went to Washington, D.C., where the capital, the White House is, and somebody said, in just a few years, there won't be one stone left upon another. You'd say, you, you, man, you mean all these wonderful buildings are going to be destroyed? I mean, what kind of cataclysm is going to come? Well, people get caught up in places. That's just human nature. There are places that... I think about one of the old songs talking about bluegrass, the old country church. You know, you've all heard the song, the old country church. You know, well, I see some blank stares. Maybe you haven't all heard the song, the old country church. But we do get caught up in places, the place we grew up at. Maybe the place where we got saved and the environment that, that was there. But true worship is not about a place. The right place is you. It's your heart. It's where you worship. You know, Paul, when he, when he was preaching there in Athens, remember he said, he says, God that made the world and all things therein. This is um, Acts chapter 17, verse 24. He says, He dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things. And then 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Paul says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is where worship should be taking place. Your heart. Again, go back to being by yourself. You want to do a test on worship? Try to worship God with no music, no preaching, no one around. Just completely by yourself. Just you and God. You and God. Think about Him. Focus on Him. Because you worship God, the right place is in your heart. 
Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, the right pattern, and then we're going to move on to Psalms. We are to worship God, Jesus said, in spirit and in truth. And you'll notice there, uh, when, when if you're looking in your Bible there in verse number 23, it says we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I think you'll notice that the spirit there is not in capital, that's not a capital S. That's a small s. He's not talking about worshiping Him in the Holy Spirit, although certainly the Holy Spirit is a part of worship. He's talking about you worship God in spirit, in your spirit, and in truth. So that, that's the right pattern. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. Worship is not something you do here as much as it is simply something that you bring with you here. You can't find true worship at a place. You have to bring true worship with you. You see, I think sometimes we want people to get us in an atmosphere or, or, or the music we like or, or the atmosphere that we like. And, and, and that's, that's okay. Music is part of worshiping God. But again, if your focus is simply on the atmosphere, you're never going to worship. Because true worship is about you and God. You opening up yourself and worshiping Him. You know, I have been in worship services where they had wonderful music. And I'll be honest with you. I've been in worship services where they couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. But worship was still there. I mean, you can worship God with wonderful music or you can worship God with music that's not so wonderful. You can worship God with wonderful equipment or you can worship God with an old out-of-tune piano and an old beat-up guitar. Because worship doesn't come from anything. Worship comes from within you. You worship God in spirit and in truth. And that simply means that you need to know who you're worshiping. You worship God in truth. You need to understand the Word of God, who God is, what God has said about who He is. So we worship Him in spirit and in truth. So just a little review about true worship, but now I want you to go over, if you will, and we're going to end up in Psalm, the book of, book of Psalms, and uh, what would Thanksgiving be without a message from the book of Psalms with all the words about praise and, and thanksgiving in Psalm. But we're going to look in Psalm 100, a wonderful psalm about worshiping and praising God And when we think about praising the Lord, there are a couple of things that, that I want to remind you about our praise. And let's, let me just stop for a moment and talk about worship and praise. Worship can be many different things. Worship, we can worship God in many different ways. And praise is often a part of worship. Praise is a part of worship. And sometimes we use those words interchangeably. But when I think about worship, I think about many different things. And when I think about praise, in a way I, I, I think about just simply offering up thanksgiving to God and praising Him and lifting Him up, thinking on Him and, and just either, either singing or, or speaking or, or, or simply just with my spirit, you know, opening up myself to God. And, and I think that's, that's what Psalm 100 is speaking about, that type of worship, that type of of praise. So notice there in Psalm 95, verse 1, he says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. 
We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. And we're just going to take the Scripture and go from verse 1. Let's forget about what our tradition is or what we might think about. Let's just see what, what, what the Bible says about praise and worship to God. Number one, he says, make a joyful shout. That's the New King James translation. I remember the Old King James says, make a joyful noise. I mentioned about not carrying a tune in a bucket. You know, that's the favorite Scripture of those of us that are not perhaps as musically talented as other. You know, you know, we get up and try to sing a song and say, well, the Bible says make a joyful noise. You know, I'm just making a joyful noise. But it's really talking about a loud shout. A loud shout. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. And, and I think about how to praise God and how to lift up His name. And really, you can't read the book of Psalms or really all the Bible without getting the idea that when we give praise to God, when we worship God, a part of that should be a little noise. That, that we should praise the Lord, if you will, loudly. I heard a story many years ago, and I, I like the story. It was about a, a man that got saved. He'd been a wicked man most of his life. He was a very angry, very bitter man. And he came to faith in Christ, and he found the peace of God and the love of God, and it cha radically changed. I think about the guy that we did the video on, you know, the, uh, the guy who'd been in prison. He kind of reminds me of the guy in this story. You know, who really just found the love of God and the grace of God, and he was so appreciative of that. And, and as he would go to church, he couldn't contain himself. And, you know, sometimes he'd say, well, you know, he, the preacher would say something about Jesus. He'd say, well, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And he was just a very emotional person. Well, he just got saved. He went on a trip with his family. They went to a big city, and he thought, you know, I, one thing I want to do, I want to go to church. You know, I, it's Sunday, and I want to worship the Lord today, but they didn't know where to go. They just went to the first church they came to and went in and sat down on the back and, you know, the preacher was up in one of those high pulpits, you know, real high in one of those large churches. And, uh, you know, he, the preacher got to talking about Jesus and he said something about Jesus, you know, saving us from our sins. And the man, he couldn't stand it. He said, praise the Lord. Well, it shook the rafters. I mean, you know, no one had said anything in that church like that for a long time. And several people looked at him and one guy, you know, one of the ushers went over and said, shh. He said, well, I'm just praising the Lord. He said, well, you can't do that here. Hush. So he said, okay. So he tried to contain himself. And the preacher went along and he heard the preacher say something about Jesus was coming again one day. And he said, hallelujah. And the man went and got his arm. He said, listen, I told you to hush. You're disturbing the, the, the peace. He said, yeah, but, but he said, I've got religion. He said, well, you didn't get it here. Shut up. It's kind of a funny story to me, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of truth in that story because I go back to what I said at the very beginning. If you truly have come to faith in Christ and you've gone from darkness to light, then there's going to be an irresistible urge within you to praise God. I mean, it's going to almost be more than you can stand. You're going to have an irresistible urge to, 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 to just express your appreciation to thank God and just to give Him praise and, and to offer something up to Him because of what He's done for you. 
You know, the Bible compares the relationship between the saved, the church, and Jesus as a husband and a wife. And, and, and you know, uh, some of you may have to turn the pages of your memory back a few pages, but certainly if you can remember when you first started dating and, and uh, you know, just... I'm going to get myself in trouble here now if I don't watch out. Not that we don't still appreciate our wives after some years, but, but you know, just, we like to call them newlyweds. Two people, you know, first in love and... And they just can't stay away from one another. By the way, I just want to tell some of you lovebirds here uh, in the church, you are on Facebook Live normally every Sunday. So when you're scratching your husband's head and patting him on the back and, and all that, somebody's probably watching you. You know, you've seen those people. They just can't keep their hands off one another, it seems like, in a public place. And, and uh, I mean, they can't hardly contain themselves. Well, my friend, in a spiritual sense... That is, the, that is the position of a Christian and the Lord. If you've truly come to faith in Christ, you just can't hardly stand it. You can't wait to find some way to praise God and to lift Him up because you have an overwhelming love for Him. And you want to be with Him. You want to interact and have this, have this fellowship with Him because you love Him. He saved you. He's forgiven you. He's given you something to live for. He's gone with you through that dark time and He's held your hand. And you appreciate Him. And my friend, if you've never felt, you say, what in the world are you talking about, preacher? My friend, you need to check the condition of your soul if what I just said makes no sense to you. If you've never experienced that, if that's no part of your experience, you have no clue what I'm talking about. Because my friend, if you know Jesus... There's going to be a love for you, for Him. There's going to be a desire to worship. So we worship Him loudly. We should not be ashamed of Jesus with our praise and our worship of God. Well, notice there, you go down a verse. He says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. All you lands serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with thanksgiving. Our praise should be loud, if you will. In other words, it should be... It should, I'm not saying you've got to be vocally loud, but, but you should not be inhibited. That's the best word I think I, could, I can use. Don't be inhibited in your praise. You don't have to shout. You don't have to jump a pew. Just don't be inhibited. If you feel like raising your hands, if you feel like bowing your head, whatever you feel like doing, you should do that. Don't quench the Spirit. Thank God and honor Him. And secondly, our praise and our worship should be, as the psalmist says in verse 2, we serve the Lord with gladness and we come before His presence with singing. It should be a glad praise. Worship doesn't make you sad. Worship encourages you. Now you can be sad. You can be depressed. You can have a great burden that you're carrying. And the best place you need to be if you're in that condition is not huddled up somewhere in a corner with the cover over your head, but it's right in the middle of a worship service. Right in the middle of a praise time with the Lord. You may not need a bunch of people around you, but remember, you can praise God all alone. And we serve the Lord with gladness. We come before His presence with singing. Listen, music, you've heard me say before, There'll be no preaching in heaven. I trust there will be some preachers there. I'd like to be there myself. But there'll be no preaching in heaven. There will be singing in heaven. 
As a matter of fact, there's many things that we do in a service that we won't do in heaven. We won't preach. We won't teach. There'll be no invitation. But what there will be is singing. Singing is a part of how God created us. No, there are many of us that perhaps can't carry a tune in a bucket, but everybody enjoys music. Because God made us that way. He made us musical creatures. And my friend, you feel like singing... And you think your singing bothers, well, get by yourself. Just look around, be sure nobody's around, and then just let her fly. Just sing as loud as you can. Nobody's going to bother you, tell you to hush. But singing is a part of worship. Whatever song you know about Jesus, it might be Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible. I can't think of any more scriptural song to sing than that. Whatever you, just sing it. Worship and praise the Lord with singing, with a loud voice. Philippians 4, verse 3 Paul says, and keep in mind, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He said, I urge you also, help those women who labored with me in the gospel and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So gladness and joy is to be part of worship. And then we move on. He says, verse 3, know that the Lord, He is God. Now, I love this part. Some people get the idea that praise and worship is just some kind of emotional high. The psalmist says that we're to know. Know that the Lord, He is God. And that tells me that part of our worship is with our intellect, our mind. We worship the Lord, or if you will, intellectually. We worship Him. We're not worshiping what we don't know. We're not just caught up in some emotional frenzy. If you're in true worship and true praise, but you are thinking, you are meditating upon who God is, that He's the creator of the stars and the moon and all that is. He's your creator. He's the author of all that is good and true. He loves you and He sent Jesus to pay the penalty for your sin. He bore the burden as the hymn said that we sang a moment ago. He shed no tears for His own grief, but He sweat drops of blood for mine. And you look at that cross and you think about how Jesus suffered for you and He bore your burdens and your pain and your grief and and that you meditate on that and it causes you to worship God. We know that the Lord is God. We praise Him intellectually with our mind. Thinking on who He is. Remember Jesus said we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. So we worship God based on truth. Not on a fairy tale. Not on some emotional high. But we worship Him logically and intellectually. Remember the Bible. Or it's been said. Not the Bible. But it's based on the Bible. That our faith is not contrary to logic. Our faith is not illogical. But our faith is not limited by where logic can go. Keep that in mind. It's not illogical. It does not contradict logic. But faith goes beyond logic. Logic can only take you so far. And it has to stop. And faith goes beyond where logic goes. But faith and praise and worship is not anti-intellectual. We praise God intellectually and with our mind. And then notice... Next, the psalmist says, It is He that has made us, and not we ourselves. Well, there's a key aspect of true worship and true praise. We have to praise God with a humble heart. You remember that time, I've said this before, you remember that time when you decided you were going to be born? You remember that, don't you? 
You decided who your parents were going to be. You kind of planned your life all out. Well, I think, I think I'd like to be born in November. You know, I like that. I think I'd like to be born in Georgia. Of course you don't remember that because you didn't plan that, did you? You know, sometimes we can think too deeply, but, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, how do you know? You, you reckon maybe that um, maybe I was dropped off an alien ship. You know, people get all kinds of thoughts and ideas. You know, maybe I'm not really from here. I've met people that I've wondered that could be true. That could be true. But we need to understand that it is God that made us and not we ourselves. You're not the author of your life. You have life because God ordained that you would be born. And He gave you your spirit and your life and He gave you a purpose. And we praise God because He's given us this wonderful opportunity, this brief span of time, filled as it may be sometimes with pain and with heartache and with trouble and, and things we don't understand, but yet God has given us this brief window of time to exist on this earth, to have joy and sorrow, to have laughter and weeping, to have hopes and dreams and also to have great disappointments. But yet in all of that, He has given us our life and we praise Him because it is He that has made us. And not we ourselves. We praise Him with an humble heart, recognizing that He is God and we are not. And then notice also, He says in the next verse, He says, We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Notice the psalmist goes from humility. It's not really my life because I don't know where I got it. I mean, I just, I just kind of woke up one day and here I was. It's God that made me and not myself. And then he goes from humility to submissiveness. He says, not only do I recognize that God is the author of life, but I recognize that God is the master of my life. He is my shepherd. The psalmist says, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We belong to Him. So not only do we worship God with humility, but we worship God with obedience and submissiveness that, Lord, You gave me my life, so now I turn around and I give You my life back. Not my life anymore, but Your life. Take my life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Ever how many days it may be, Whatever talents and abilities I have or I don't have, my successes, my failures, my good parts, my bad parts, I give them to you. I recognize my life is not mine, but I give it back to you submissively. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. That's part of worship. We worship with an obedient attitude Toward the Lord. I like the way Paul says it in Romans 14 verse 8. He says if we live. You know we don't know what tomorrow brings. Every day. Every week. Every year. We reach this time of year. And there are people who are not among us. Who were among us last year. And so it will continue until Jesus comes back. And one day people are going to look around. And you're not going to be here. I'm not going to be here. That's the way it is. We don't know what tomorrow brings. And the Apostle Paul says, but if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. There's a lot of peace in that verse. If we'll grab it, 
That whether I live, whether I die, I am the Lord's. I've given myself to Him. I am His people and the sheep of His pasture. Well, notice the next verse. He says, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. We praise God with thanksgiving. We enter into His courts with thanksgiving and into His courts, enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise to have the thankful heart. Just a thankful spirit. You know, the enemy of a thankful spirit is a bitter spirit. You know, we've all met bitter people. Sometimes, if we've never met a bitter person, just go home and look in the mirror. You might be introduced to one. Might ask your friends if they met a bitter person. It's easy to become bitter. The seeds of bitterness are, life is not fair. The seeds of bitterness are, I deserve better. The seeds of bitterness are, this is not right. That's the seeds of bitterness. And you begin to think on that and you begin to dwell on that and, and you begin to look at others. Envy. And you say, boy, I, I wish my life could be like their life. I wish my home could be like their home. I wish I had a job like they have. I, I wish I had the financial security that, that they have. I, I, I wish all these things. And, and before long, you begin to recognize that God is the author. He's the king. And, and then your bitterness kind of turns toward Him. It's His fault. He's in control. And, and all of a sudden, you're, you're not worshiping. You can't praise God anymore. Because your life is infected with bitterness. Bitterness is the great enemy of, of an attitude of gratitude and of thanksgiving. And it's an enemy we must fight to the death. We must not allow it to live. It must be cast out. It cannot coexist with a thankful heart and a heart of worship and a heart of praise. And, and part of the secret to casting that bitter devil out, if you will, is to have that attitude of submission and humility and a recognition that God is God and I am not. And Lord, I will be obedient. I will worship You. I will serve You. I will honor You. I will worship You. I will enter into Your gates with thanksgiving. I will enter into Your courts with praise. Why do you think the Bible sometimes refers to praise as a sacrifice? What is a sacrifice? It's something you give up. We think of a sacrifice back in the olden days. They would have a lamb or they would have uh, some animal that was of great value. Remember part of the, part of the uh, regulations for a sacrifice, it could not be a reject. It had to be the best. The best and, and, and the most expensive. The best thing you have. And, and you took that and you gave it up. And that sacrifice was offered up. You know, sometimes we don't feel like praise. We don't feel like we have a thankful heart. That's, that's when praise is a sacrifice. And I think that's when praise is of the most value and does the most good. It's when we do it not out of the, if you will, the brass of our emotions. Because remember, our emotions are the shallowest part of our being. If you're living life in your emotions, you're going to be in trouble. Making all your decisions based on your emotions, you're going to be in trouble. You know, if I, if I decided what I wanted to eat simply based on taste, I'd have Reese's peanut butter cups every day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, I take that back. I'd have cookies and cream ice cream for supper. You know you can't eat based on taste. 
You have to eat based on knowledge. And what you know is good. Well, you can't live based on emotions. And you can't serve God based on emotion. And sometimes praise is a sacrifice. We enter into His courts with thanksgiving when we don't feel thankful. We enter into His gates with praise even when we don't feel like praising, but we do it as a sacrifice. We do it as obedience. Well, quickly, moving on. There he says in the latter part, he says, Be thankful to Him and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. I like this part. We can praise God confidently. For the Lord is good. And His mercy endures to all... His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. Contrary to what that bitter devil will tell you, God is good. I know everything that He allows to happen is not good. And I wouldn't tell you that I have an answer to all your questions because I don't, but I I simply give you... I give you God. I give you Jesus. And I do believe with all my heart, in spite of doubts and, 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 and things that come up, that God is good. That His mercy is to all generations. His truth is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. So I can praise Him confidently that no matter what darkness I find on this earth, that God is good. He is a good, good Father. As the Chris Tomlin song says, He is a good, good Father. And He loves us. And He is the one to whom we can commit our soul for keeping. Well, we're going to stop right there. I, I just want to read this last verse as the musicians come and maybe get ready to give us a hymn of invitation. And, and Psalm 107 is a great invitation to worship. It is a call to worship. And if I were going to title this message, it would simply be a call to worship. A call to worship, a call to praise, a call to, a call to thanksgiving. In Psalm 107 verse 1, the psalmist says, and think of this as an invitation to worship, a call to worship, a challenge to worship. The psalmist says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men, for He satisfies the longing soul and He fills the hungry soul with goodness. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. Have a thankful heart. Get off by yourself somewhere and spend some time with God. Not asking Him for something, That's okay. You need to ask Him. But I challenge you, if you're burdened, you're kind of down, don't go to God with a prayer. Go to God sometime today 
and just with a heart say, Lord, I, I, I just, I just, just think on Him, meditate on Him, give Him thanks right by yourself, give Him praise. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we give you praise. We give you praise in the midst of our trouble and our questions and our darkness, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise for your forgiveness. We give you praise for your grace that is greater than all of our sin. Our grace that is greater than all of the problems that we encounter. We give you praise for that grace. God, we give you praise in the midst of trouble, knowing that, God, you are the one that delivers from trouble. Father, I prayed for these people here today. May you fill them with your Holy Spirit. May you drop a spirit of praise and worship upon each of us. Lord, that we might, if we know you, Lord, that we might have a desire to worship and to praise you. And through that worship and that praise, we would gain victory over the enemy. God, I pray if there's one here that perhaps knows you, they know of you. But they don't know you in a relationship as Father and as Savior and as Lord. I pray the Spirit would make that known to them and they would yield their self to you. We pray all of this in the name of the name of Jesus that is above every name. Amen. You're here this morning. Maybe you want to come and pray. The altar's open. I'll be glad to pray with you. you maybe you need to make a decision for the Lord. You just obey the Holy Spirit as we sing.